Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 265 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome! In this episode, I talk to Chris, Subaku and Bjorn of Umaiki Games about the action-adventure game Skellboy, which has been released on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Another Switch game for you to enjoy. Yes, yeah, really good fun. Good fun game. And, uh, yeah, so without further ado... Let's uh, pass myself over to to Chris from the past, if you'd be so kind, sir. I have three people who Umaiki Games. And they're represented by... Chris, you want to kick us off? Uh, yeah. I'm Quit, the program and level designer of the game. Um, I am Sabaku, the artist and the writer of the game. And I'm Bjorn, the composer and sound designer for the game. See, you've answered the first question. Well done. Who are you and what do you do? Nice. There <laughs> you go. Round of applause for everyone. <laughs> Almost as if you preempted it. So what we're going to do, in that order, we're going to flow with that order, at least for the first section of the show. And the second second of the show, we're going to, you know, you're going to answer depending on the kind of questions I come up with. Okay. Um, so, start with Chris and then we work through. Um, how do you make your start making video games? Oh, that's uh, a kind of long story. I started when I was 10. Oh, good. Uh, my, my father installed me Visual Basic back then. I don't right. know. If, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just had these user interface, and I thought, oh, how can I make games with it? So I coded some moving sprites and stuff, and I didn't know about DirectX or OpenGL and stuff. And, yeah, so I started and tried to do some strategy games and, and so on. Really, really fun time, to be honest. Um, but after that, I tumbled on the RPG Maker, uh, and I wasted kind of a lot of years of my life making games <laughs> with the RPG Maker. <laughs> and then I went back to C++ and did my own stuff. Oh, wow, serious stuff. Went from like very, very, very high-level programming languages or Visual Basic when you were very young, and then switched over to C++, which is, oh, slightly lower. Not quite assembly, but that's insane. No one does that anymore, thank God. Uh, yeah, but it's so good. You should, to make you should do it, game. to be honest. Because if you know, if you can learn C++, no other language after that will beat you. 
you it's so easy to get into any other language so oh, really? just just start with it so you're telling me the c++ is like the latin of european like computer languages it's, it's great because it yeah. said that if you understand latin it's maybe a dead language that most european languages not all of them but most of them are slightly structured towards towards latin that's true yeah yeah, yeah. although Less so ourselves, English, and, and indeed German. But <laughs> that's, that's a whole story well, of another type. It's not yeah, for now, but yeah. Anyway, but no, I did not know that. I mean, personally, I do know C++, but I did not know it was so translatable to other... Because it makes sense, because structure and stuff. But yeah, it's a good story, good stuff. Right. And Sabago, what, uh, what about yourself? Um, so I am more of an artist. I'm not mm-hmm. really a programmer, but I also started very young like I was like 12 or 13 or something when I really kicked it off I um, started also with RPG Maker (laughs) and through my studying I got in contact with a lot of other programming languages like yeah Java and also a little bit I I did a little game in my studies with Assembler (laughs) really but I, I have no clue anymore it's no. was like a little a little dive, but I mostly um, worked with RPG Maker, which was exactly the link in the engine that um, got me in contact with Chris and and Bjorn. And I'm also jumped a little bit into uh, Game Maker, and yeah, that's kind of my thing. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I mean, don't always say about Game Maker when it's it's, it's raised that the Hotline Miami was made. Yeah. Game Maker. Yeah. That's, and that's uh, Hyperlight Drifters also. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Very good was game. made in Game Maker. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very powerful it things. <laughs> uh, Bjorn, how did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games? Yeah. So I'm. I personally, I was always a fan of like the JRPGs that came out in Europe on the Super Nintendo, like Terra Enigma and Secret of Mana, and I always wanted to make a game like that. And um, one day I came about the I may, uh, maybe you've guessed it, the RPG maker, <laughs> and um, saw that you can, well, make RPGs with it. And um, with that, I also stumbled upon the community where I met uh, Chris and Zabi, and that's basically where I have my um, my root in making video games, even though I never actually completed a game with it. Um, but, yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I'm here now, so yay. <laughs> yeah, no. It's fantastic. It really is. Uh, I personally never delved into into RPG Maker. I'm a big fan of uh, Japanese RPGs. The last one I played and finished was um, Dragon Quest Eleven. Oh yeah, um, me too. Which uh, I did enjoy, but because of my brain, the way it works, I sadly started min-maxing things without realizing that was a bad thing to do. And when I did that, towards the end, I was actually barely playing the game. I was just pointing things, oh. and there was just playing themselves out. It was, wasn't much of a challenge towards the end. My fault. My fault. Sorry. Well, the game is actually pretty great. But <coughs> it is good. Yeah. But it's very easy to do it. Very easy to see the code and you go, oh, if I do that, yeah. oh, damn it. What have I done? Look up to yeah, it. Sure. Yeah, it's just, it was a shame. You know, but I did enjoy the experience. It was on my PS4. I didn't play it on the Switch, which I understand. It's a slightly enhanced version. More than enhanced, mm-hmm. actually. But no, I played it on the, my PS4 Pro. It's great. It's glorious. But, um, sad. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I mean, that was my Christmas game from two years ago. This year it was Outer Wilds, but that's another discussion for another time. Because um, that game was amazing. But, I'm not here to talk about that. Um, 
This is the third question, the infamous third question. Ready? What? <laughs> oh, wait, wait, I'm not currently. <laughs> As a collective of creators, what do you think are your biggest influences? Ah, that's not a what question at all. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's a question we get asked in every podcast, I think. <laughs> well, that's good, because, you know, sometimes I do get people going, oh, I can't answer this, I have no idea what you mean by that. But basically what I'm asking you is that you're creating things and clearly being influenced by other things. And what what's the thing you find yourself orbiting more than anything is, uh, than in order to produce, well, what you've done here with Skullboy? Uh, mm-hmm. Um. Okay, okay Chris, I, you start. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna start. Uh, yeah. So for me, my my biggest influence on the game, uh, I, I did the level design, and my influence for that was uh, Dark Souls. To be honest, mm. um, I, I just love these big and huge interconnected worlds with a lot of uh, short t- shortcuts and uh, backtracking, and in the end, you see, oh, everything is connected, and that's especially especially the thing we did in Skullboy. So the whole game is just around the castle and the areas uh, around it, and you get back to it someday. Okay. Sparko, what what do you think influences you? I uh, have to think about that question a little. Um, so loads of stuff, or just being a you know you know stereotypical <laughs> stereotyping. I shouldn't do that. Sorry. It's a, <laughs> I mean, I al- uh, I always try to um, find new things that inspire me. I, I never want to stick with one th- one thing. Okay. And um, so I would I would clearly say a lot of old RPGs, action RPGs, are definitely inside the art style of uh, Scalboy. Um, I like. I like uh, using color theory and very artistic approaches and design approaches because that's a thing I learned in my study. Um, and that is what uh, really made me like uh, start with like, um, when I started the graphics for Scareboy, I was like, I need something simple, but it needs to be expressive. And I started with very, with a very simple shape. And that's, stuff you do like in design you start with very simple things you try to limit yourself to get the best out of it so we have a scale board with uh, just square characters and most of the objects are squares and um, very clear colors so nothing gets lost and is very easily readable um, but I also like Zelda very much and very much the thing Nintendo does in the last few years, years is, um, very much, very much experimenting with different, um, with different medium. Like, um, you have Yoshi's Woolly World, for example. Like, very creative stuff. And we try to do that in Scareboy too. Like, combining this very, some, some people say, uh, from the plotline itself, it kind of sounds like a horror game because you, you are a skeleton and you are looting body parts. That sounds very scary. But um, when you play it, it's very cute and charming and has a little, but has a little bit of edge. And I think that is, that is something Nintendo uh, makes in a lot of games and um, crafts a very charming experience out of it. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic response. Um, 
I definitely see that, and the, you, you you're drawing from your own childhood, maybe some experience or games you played from the, from the distant past. And uh, I was going to ask what particular ones, but I suspect you probably may, in some regards, probably can't remember what they were called, or uh, or maybe you can. I don't know. It doesn't matter. What matters is it's the spirit of those being infused into Skill Boy. So thanks for that, <laughs> Bjorn. Yes, that's me. <laughs> Indeed, it is you. Uh, anything you think you, you influences you as a creator of things? Yeah, of course. Um, like um, for for me, first and foremost, uh, foremost, it's um, other video games, of course. Like mm-hmm. mostly the games I play currently, but also the games I replay on a regular or more or less regular basis, like the old classic ones on the Super Nintendo, on uh, PlayStation, and so on. And um, I always love uh, to listen to those soundtracks, especially like, um, uh, for example, Metal Gear Solid or Banjo Kazooie or like all this, all these soundtracks that have memorable, memorable tracks in it and try to get inspired by that, which usually is a success. Um, in the case of Scalboy, it's uh, very definitely the soundtrack of Banjo Kazooie that may uh, have been the biggest inspiration for the style of the soundtrack, like how the music sounds and how the tracks differ from one another by, but still keeping the same melody. And, um, yeah, that's basically that. I, I just get inspired by the, by the stuff I, I'm surrounded with basically, since I'm also a collector of video games and video game systems and, uh, usually have almost everything hooked up, uh, on my TV to, be ready to play i get inspired daily on, on in almost every situation i i too have a lot of systems so i can relate to your to your um uh to, i was gonna say plight and condition it's not that <laughs> it's amazing uh but uh yeah i everything from like, i was playing a lot of tori 800 xl the other week i was streaming mm-hmm. from it as well and I had this uh, game. It was a floppy disk game. It was called Blue Max. It was awesome. But it was like, it was a, the, the disk was 37 years old. It still ran. <laughs> That's amazing, actually. <laughs> I mean, it's I have unbelievable. So many floppy disks that are st- that are already deleted. But I know. I picked it up. I went, you, you can't work, surely. And I put it in, and it did. It's amazing how like, sturdy those things are. It's just like. It was an actual floppy disk. I mean, not, mm-hmm. not like one of those three and a half inch. It was a five and a quarter inch <laughs> floppy, floppy disk. Yeah, actually, it like, yes. <laughs> it was like, oh my god, it's still working. This is incredible. So. Usable as a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Back then, stuff was built for eternity. So they yeah, basically, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's a fantastic game. But anyway, uh, um, and then I played a PS2 game called Gungrave, which was fun. Um, yeah, it's so fun. It's, it's just, um, and music, uh, now, now it's just it's gone to places none of us could have predicted um it's become integral even more interactive even there are some games out there that they they have a standard melody but then they change the melody or no, they add to the melody with with the other instruments and then it's the same song but it's like a completely different arrangement just because you've just punched someone in the face (laughs) 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 So it's yeah, it's a what a time to be alive, I've got to say. But no, yeah, yeah. Though, but to add to that, I I still wish that some games um still had a more memorable soundtrack nowadays. Because to be quite honest, I cannot remember uh, any particular track from the current God of War soundtrack, for example, or from what's 
Yeah, that's basically my 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 uh, only only. Yeah, right, I mean there are some. I mean for me the standout ones like um, Fez. I think mm-hmm. it's oh, yeah. an amazing yeah. job on yeah. that. Uh, and uh, then oh, okay, I'll say it again, but Outer Wilds. But then again, Outer Wilds uses music quite heavily in its mechanics, mm-hmm. so that's probably why I remember it. So uh, I like. For, for example, the, the most memorable example that I have currently is from the Resident Evil 2 remake, yeah. um, from, from the end when you escape, uh, from the facility. And, um, that, that's a song. Uh, first of all, it slaps hard. <laughs> and second of all, it's very memorable because it's, it's an actual melody. It's not just an atmospheric whatever. It's an actual melody that, that is played. And most, or, or not most, but many soundtracks nowadays seem to be more atmospheric than they are melodic, in my opinion. Hmm. And yeah, melodies I, are what, uh, what you actually remember. You do. Um, especially when they're counter melodies, but you know that more than I do. Um, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. So you, you answered the uh, question three. Excellent. So there you go. But I'm, I'm, I, I failed to warn you about four. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, it's, it's not a, wait, wait, it's not a Pokemon question, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> okay. No, it's not. No, I have to you to leave the show. No, I'm kidding. Um, so uh, here we go. In, in order, so Chris and Sparko and beyond. What developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Oh, that's a really hard one. Yay! Got you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's our what question. That's <laughs> your what question. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> and you can, I mean, don't worry, you can be a person or an actual company. It doesn't matter. Um, so. The problem is, I would like to say Kojima, uh-huh. but... But he is really pretentious, to be honest. Uh, yeah, but, but I still, but I still like him. See Death Stranding. I mean, <laughs> I didn't play it yet. I, no, I really wanna. But... Don't. You know, for your own personal sort of, you know, um, progression as a developer, maybe. Other than that, <laughs> I'm such a huge Metal Gear Solid fan. Oh, it, it hurts. Yeah. It's definitely not like Metal Gear it's Solid. That's what I know. Not, mate. It's just. It's just Farcical nonsense that eats itself towards. Ah, oh, I, now I need to play it. <laughs> <laughs> You're making it worse. Oh, oh, You're making it, it better. <laughs> there are aspects of it. I mean, people say, "Was oh, it like Quop?" No, it's not like Quop. Leave Quop out of this. Oh man. Quop is actually good to say. If you don't know what Quop is, everyone listening, and also you guys, look it up. It is not like Quop. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, you've got, so could you, that's fine. That's a perfectly valid response. We've got that often. It's perfectly fine. Uh, okay. Sabaka, what, what have you got uh, as, a, as a response to this one? So, um, if I have to name someone specific, I no, would. It could be a company probably... as well. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm between two things. Like, uh, there is, um, I don't know if if you know it, but there is like uh, the Thief game series. Oh, yes. um, uh, it's called uh, Dark Project over here, and those these game series. I think the the original studio was Looking Glass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is a very I, I think um, everything I, I know from the series is quite. It makes me quite so so curious, and I think it's also one game. I I would like to do a game like that one day. 
because uh, everything that game did, that especially the first one, it, it resonates to me on so many levels. And I would really like to, to see more like this in the future. And I have to say um, that I'm often looking back at uh, Looking Glass and think like, yeah, I, w- I would really like to know how the development process of the game was, I have to say. And on the other hand, I have like, oh, sorry. No, go, 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 go. And on the other half, I, I have to say, I, uh, I, I hope I say the name right. Cory Barlock from God of War. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, um, I love the original God of War games and I love the new God of War and I'm so impressed by the narrative jump they made from the old game series and to the new game series, especially with how the character of Kratos changed. And it's so fascinating listening to Curry Barlock telling how this came to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, I mean, I'm going to, going to sort of like plug our sister show, Kane and Rince. It's a, it's a show where we sort of Kane and Rince video games, where all the hosts of the show get round, play a game to death, then talk about it. It's like a book club, <laughs> but for video games. Okay. And the latest episode is, guess what? That's right, God of War. Oh, <laughs> if you want to hear people enthused about a game that they have finished to death, so they can talk <laughs> with great authority <laughs> about the experience, I would then, love that. then have a listen. It's great. Yeah, oh, yeah it's, definitely. It's a thing. So um, I must confess, it's currently resting on my pile of shame, so I haven't listened to it yet. For fear of spoilers. You're really uh, so I need to fix I need to know, I know, I need to fix that, sorry. Okay, okay. Sounds like you need to okay. fix the God of War problem first. Yeah. This, <laughs> the podcast problem. Yeah, indeed. So, um, beyond then, what, what, any, any particular developers you think you go, you should carry on doing the thing you do? Yeah, um, like, I basically have two answers to that. Uh, first for the musical stuff and then for games in general. Like, um, uh, for music, my biggest inspiration is, or the people I look most up to are two people, and the first one is Grant Kirkup from Banjo Kazooie fame, and the second one is, uh, Nobuo Uematsu from Final Fantasy fame, uh, because, um, both of uh, those people's soundtracks, um, s- super inspired me. Uh, I, I, uh, listened to almost every single, uh, game soundtrack they made to death, and, um, as I said before, like the style of Skullboy soundtrack, Skullboy's soundtrack is um, heavily inspired by Grant Kirkhoff's work. And since I love RPG so much, and um, and I still want to actually create my own RPG um, with a soundtrack that's similar to um, Uematsu's work, um, those are biggest are my biggest influences in 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 that regard and when it comes to games in general it's basically i guess it's also a standard answer here but it's um shigeru miyamoto he's like the 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 biggest dude in in that in that case and um i get always like i i, I always want to just get behind the 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 meaning of why he is doing uh the, the things he does like when it's uh uh, like with Pikmin, he just got inspired by ants walking around in his garden while he's doing, he was doing garden work. And with uh, Zelda, it was um, as a kid I roamed around in, ca- around in caves and all that stuff. And it's just 
it's, it's it's super inspiring and it's definitely in my opinion the person to look up to when making video games. Yeah, yeah, good shout, good shout. Okay, last question in the first half. See, you made it. Yeah, this one's this one's relatively straightforward. At least I hope it is. Um, <laughs> and you, you it sometimes it's like oh I can't answer this one, but anyway here we go. I'm legally obliged to ask this question because this is a podcast about video games. So here we go. It's a Pokemon question. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. It might be. Depends how you answer it. Good him not that way. Chris, what are you playing right now? Right now, uh, Frostpunk. Frostpunk? With yeah. the expansion? The expansion has come out. Uh, not, or... not yet. Just the playing yet. game. And I, I, I love it. I love strategy games to death. So good. <laughs> it's, it's more than a strategy, isn't it? It's actually sending child labor and stuff. It's just grim. <laughs> it's about it gets, work. It gets pretty grim pretty quickly, <laughs> considering what happens. But uh, yeah, anything particularly that's drawn you to that you think it stands out from other strategy games? Um, it's the fatality of the of the gameplay and the moral choices you have to make are, mm. are really are really strong in this one. I, I haven't played another game so on point on that. I, I really love that. Excellent. Marco, are you playing anything at the moment? And if you are, what is it? Um, I'm playing two games mainly right now. The first one is uh, Layton's Mystery Journey. Like, uh, I think it's the newest Professor Layton game for Switch. They're still making those? Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they changed the protagonist, but uh, it's still coming, and I love it. <laughs> okay, cool. And uh, Bjorn, anything that's uh, piquing your interest and distracting you at the moment? <laughs> I'm I'm playing way too many games, <laughs> and uh, like uh, the one I'm uh, looking forward to right now because I can play this after this session is um, Beat Saber uh, because I recently acquired a VR headset and I love music games obviously, and um, well another one is actually Fortnite. I do enjoy this, uh, that game, but the biggest one I'm drawn to right now is Hollow Knight, which I finally started a week ago or something. Mm. And it's amazing because I love Metroidvanias. So the VR headset, what is it? Is it like a is it a quest or is it it's a... it's a quest? Yeah, it's an Oculus nice. Quest. So have you got Audica? Uh, not yet, no, but you are going to tell me about it, and then yeah. I will probably get it. <laughs> well, I think there's two reasons why you need to get Audica. First of all, it's made by Harmonix. Oh, oh, so it's that game. Anymore. Okay, it's that game. It's that game. And it's yeah. basically laser guns with, with music. It's awesome. I like it. A lot, and I play it on my PSVR, but I also have it on my Oculus Quest as well. It's okay. fantastic. So I will try yeah, that game. <laughs> it's a, it's just it's it's different in good ways. And you you think, wait, what am I doing with this? It's just shooting targets on the beat. What? <laughs> yes, don't worry. Just just run with it. I mean, you're using lightsabers as a beat saber. Come on, get over yourself. Yeah, of course. I mean, every every, every game description that has to the beat in it is perfect for me. <laughs> you do I, X to the beat. Yeah, it's magnificent. I love it. I just keep on. I'm just, I almost, the harmonic should pay me for, I'm trying to, I should get him on the show. I'll try. But yeah, Audica. I've expand, I, I saw it first at PAX West last year and uh, mind blown. I did okay. not know. And then, uh, it arrived on all the platforms. I thought it was just going to be because looking at it, it looked a bit high tech. So I didn't think it was going to make on on the other sort of like non PC VR, but it did. It arrived on PSVR, and now it's on the Quest. Nice. So I don't know how they did it, but they did, and I compared them, and it's it's much better on the Quest because you're free. 
Yeah, that's a big plus for the system. Yeah, you're free. You're so there's no tethering of any, no cables of any kind. Although, just as a side note, they're actually looking at uh, creating a, a cable where you can plug it into your PC and it streams. Reg- oh, that that actually works already. I, I'm I'm you. Yeah. I, I I use my Quest as an Oculus Rift on my PC because I have Beat Saber on Steam and I play that only when I have it hooked up on my PC. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just apparently it's in beta but but it, yeah. it works good. it yeah. works okay. yeah okay. it just works oh, no, it just okay. works yeah on the internet's down get to those cables good <laughs> right well that's the end of the first half well done we made it nice. we're now gonna go in the second half where we delve deep into skill boy Okay. <laughs> Ready? Right. Wait. Here we go. Take a sip of my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is what's going to happen. Um, first thing is the first question isn't really a question, it's a request. Regular listeners will know this is known as the zeroth question in honor of Isaac Asimov. <laughs> the question is this What is Skillboy? Oh. So, oh. that's uh, Chris. Yeah, that, that's me. Skullboy is me. <laughs> so, um, Skullboy is a 3D action adventure game. 
the story is kind of there is this evil court magician who got dumped by the princess and in his rage he summoned the undead uh, throwing the kingdom into utter chaos but uh, he also resurrected the hero of the game Skippy an ancient hero from the past and your task is now to defeat Squirrelman and you're doing that by killing enemies and taking all of their body parts because you're a skeleton you have a head a torso and feet and you can swap these parts out like, just like you want. So if, if a zombie drops his feet, you can have smelly feet. Uh, not really useful, but you can help them. <laughs> That's a, a game in detail, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't put it by myself. Yeah, it's kind of a 3D, so 2D action adventure game. Kind of-ish. I don't know. I will talk about that later. But uh, And yes, you're right. The key component, which is my first question is that um, the different abilities well the scale boy himself changes dramatically depending on what he's got on, I say on, it's not really on he sort of like just basically swaps out bits what, of what he is made of what he's actually made of just to be clear everyone, you're not putting on someone's feet, you're actually just well you're, you're yeah. searching <laughs> You it's, are. All, it's all very clean, everyone. You don't see anything, but he just sort of like swaps, and all of a sudden you suddenly realise that you walk around with green feet, or indeed, or, or armoured feet, and all sorts of stuff you can pick up. And I've just noticed that that's quite odd, or is it? <laughs> <laughs> it it's really funny because it it is odd in a, as a concept in itself, but in the end, if you're talking about a game uh, designer perspective, it's just like wearing a hat, uh, cloth, or or another shoes. It's just visually something else. I was just saying, is this an extension of hack and slash RPGs that we all know and love from Diablo, for example? Um, or indeed, yeah, Diablo, let's go with that. You're right. You know, when you get a new sword, it suddenly becomes this big flaming thing or whatever, I don't know. And then, you know, your, your avatar, you're walking around, it changes them. And rather than, you, you, you just went the extra mile. And said, "Well, why would we just say actual body parts instead? Is that was that the the germ of the idea? Is that how? Is that why you get different abilities based on what skill boy is made out of?" Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd be oh, good. Wow. So many people here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, like many things we we did together, um, we did quite a lot of game jam games in the past together. Uh, I think it was a very spontaneous idea. It's like you have this concept, but you think about how you can bring it to the next level. And it's it's a very comedic kind of thing, just changing up body parts and you are like a skeleton. And yeah, okay, skeletons always fall apart. So, And you always kill enemies and they drop their body parts. Why not push those things together? You are kind of like, you're not only changing your armor like you normally do, but you kind of change your your whole existence, mixes up with one another. <laughs> that's uh, that's kind of like uh, a thing people look at and like, oh, that that's very odd, but also very funny on a, <laughs> a special way. <laughs> I, just, I just think it takes it, like I said, it's a natural extension of yeah. Yeah. getting stuff. I mean, I've always said about Diablo, the the whole game is a, basically the quest for truth, justice, and getting better stuff. Not in that order. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> correct. <laughs> so, the skill boy, it's getting better body parts and happened to save the princess if she needs saving. Almost a spoiler. Sorry. Anyway, um, it's the next second question then. See, so you, you, you're doing it. There's, there's a strong puzzle element in skill boy, which I wasn't expecting. I like. Because it's, it creates a bit of a challenge. It also changed the pacing. And some areas are blocked off until you figure that out. Until you figure out what you have to do to, to progress to, to get to the next castle, in inverted commas. The next bit, if you will. Um, how have you found developing those puzzles while maintaining the pacing and aspect of an action game that is ultimately what Skillboy is? I think we just did it. <laughs> yeah, okay. that's, that's we just got it right on the first try. <laughs> so um, the thing is, um, Chris can tell a little bit more. But actually, we never did an action game before, so that was a first for us. And a lot of things we do are quite, we we are quite learning while we are doing stuff. Um, and we love to experiment. So I don't know, Chris. Do you do you really had a plan? <laughs> well, no. My my idea was, um, if we're making an action action game, you need some slower parts in the game to cool down, just like a movie where you have high notes and low points. So I think most areas have one small puzzle in it. So it's not so much. It's just a little bit to cool down from the action for me. Right. I mean, something that's quite benign, like there's very early on you encounter a little, little maze where you're being spat at from little red skulls. That's yeah. fine. Uh, that's not a spoiler, everyone. You encounter that within 10 minutes of play. Um, but, uh, I'm not, I mean, but there are other aspects where you go, oh, we've got to go to down here, flick that switch over there and do some things to make a progress. It's relatively straightforward, but uh, I just found it lovely that you somehow organically, now I know, you weren't really aiming for it. You knew you had to direct it somehow. You need to actually let the player breathe, otherwise it becomes exhausting. And uh, also difficult for you to maintain that pace because you'll run out of content very quickly if you had them racing through. Um, yeah. It's just not going to work. So you're right. It, you had to change the pace and alter things and just let people take a breath and also have a little bit of a think about something before moving on to defeat the next monster, whatever that may be. Good. Right, third question. The viewing angle in the mm. presentation yeah. presents a 3D world inhabited by 2D beings, I gather. Why was this adopted and how has this impacted the design of the world itself? Mm, uh, the, the, the problem in the first place was because everything is flat in the game. Um, uh, most of the things just look good if you're viewing it from the front. And if you would be able to move the camera as a player, most areas would, would look really strange to, to you. Uh-huh. So it was kind of necessary to go with a fixed angle and sometimes change the angle and then your objects are more or less uh, in place so it looks uh, good again. It's also... Um directing the player a little bit so there's there's one place where you have uh, I, I think it's a puzzle later on and you can just put the camera exactly where it has to be so the player knows oh there's something coming up and as Chris said 
a lot of a lot of the graphics because they are sprites sprites that are extended and technically have just one front side. Um, it's very much needed that um, you kind of have the control over how the player looks at things. So not everything is just those black bars on the side that look not really appealing. Yes, it, no. it, bas it, it basically gives, gives us the opportunity to show off things that's important to the player and don't uh, show the sides of flat things. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it was really ingenious. And it, just, it basically emulated, you know, if the computers back in the day could do these 3D flowing images or, or rolling worlds, they would have done, but they couldn't. And they had to make do with what they did. But you can, and you did, and you extruded the world out without undermining what you were trying to achieve. Whereas a little dude who happens to be a skeleton of a hero that's long dead, who's swapping out bits of himself, but he's still himself. I don't, I don't get that. And then... Uh, <laughs> you can't swap out the soul. No, he can't swap out the soul. <laughs> of course he can't. But his actual body does it. Anyway, um, it, it's, uh, you're right. It, it, you're still making that adventure going from left to right, but you ultimately, um, it's, it, it's really, really clever way you've done it. It implies freedom of movement, when in fact... It isn't, and that's fine. That's perfectly fine because how else? It's either that or you turn into a vast sandbox game, and then it will take you another four years to make. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Chris took quite the effort to make sure that the camera is always. He did all the camera movement, and it's. Mm. it's oh, that's it's, so much fun! Really. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah there you go. Yeah. It's, it's just like you're a director cameras. of a movie, and you set uh, the camera for each scene, right? <laughs> nice. So. Last question. Sad <gasps> face. I know. All good things and that. Here we go. There is a strong vein of irreverent humour throughout Skellboy <laughs> that, uh, that results in some very strange exchanges with the NPCs, the non-player characters, for those who don't know what that means. So they're, they're very odd. Funny, but odd. <laughs> I just want to know, what is that? how has that influenced, there's that word again, uh, the design of the world itself and the, the imagery of the world. It, it One reflects the other. Is that right to think that? Probably, yeah. So, um, as I kind of mentioned, um, the the art style of, of Skullboy is a little bit of... It's, um, I don't want to call it programmer art because I'm not a programmer, but uh, it's basically... Um, finding a way to make something simple but appealing. And that works best when you have uh, an easy shape and you go from there and design the stuff around it. Mm -hmm. But um, we tried basically... Uh, it, it, we, we wanted to find, make a fun game that has some kind of an appealing story but is not too overwhelming. Like a lot of fantasy RPGs have a big part of lore about it. And you have to, re sometimes you really have to concentrate to keep up. Um, but we wanted to make the story pretty much similar to it. So we are referencing a lot, we, we built a lot around that concept that already is in the graphics department. Like the, a lot of characters talk about pixels and, squaring things up and having the heart in the right angel angle or something. So things that reference the, sh the shape and stuff and a lot of lore behind it is also 
build around that shape. Um, which is, I, th I think it was a good idea just to keep it simple and also keep it funny and make a lot of good puns around it. <laughs> no, other puns. <laughs> other puns. <laughs> mm -hmm. It, um, yeah, it really shines with that regard. And one of the reasons I kept on playing, A, because it's fun, but B, I just wanted to see what the next joke was going to be. Like, what <laughs> <laughs> what's that? Oh, I get that. Oh, I get it. I get it. That's yeah, good. It's good reference. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, Scaleboy by Umaikai Games. Umaiki. Umaiki Umai Games. Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> uh, I might edit that. No, I won't. I'll make a fool of myself. It's fine. It's okay. It's out now <laughs> on Windows PC, Mac, Linux, and Nintendo Switch, according to my notes. Is that right? Nope. Wait, no, it's not out on PC yet. And it's, not on um, Linux. On, on, only on Switch right now. It's out right on Switch, and um, uh -huh. we plan to um, release it this year, but not no no date announced right no now. Date in it. Oh, uh, for, for PC, for okay. Windows this, and all the things. This, this is the, all of the things. This has been drawn from the internet. Curse the internet. Yeah. It's out now on Switch, so which I've been playing it on, and it's fantastic. Um, where does the name of the the uh, your fine company come from? Where does it come from? Your, your collective? Oh man, it's it's. I don't know if it's a good story to be honest, but there's this uh, strange anime out. It's okay. a web, web show from I, I don't know 2004 five. Right. Um, it's called Wack, like in right. record. It's about a marketing guy and and, and a voice actress. And in one commercial, she she, uh, she has to um, dub. Uh, it's about chips, and it's called uh, ha, some crazy stuff. And there is a, a tree with a cat head, and at the end of the commercial, he's crazy. Oh, Mikey! And I, I think it was so funny. I used it as a name. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. Thank That's you for sharing. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I still can't pronounce it, even though I've written it out in phonetics. I still can't do it. Oh, Mikey. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so easy. Um, it's fantastic having you on the show. It's been wonderful. I've enjoyed myself. I hope Thanks. you did. Yeah, yeah. It was very enjoyable. Yeah. There you go. And uh, you're more than welcome to come back on to chat about whatever next game you have uh, on the horizon, which will be done in two or three years. Trust me, we'll be here. Um, oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> really good because... To We've had return guests on the show. We've been going since 2013, so we've had return guests. So they come back and say, Chris, I've got a new game. It's, uh, it took longer than I thought, but here it is. <laughs> okay, then we will send you a postcard in three or four years. I will remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it'll just, like, it'll just happen. But uh, in the meantime, thanks very much for being on. Thank, Thank you for having us. us. <laughs> <laughs> you have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, caneandrinse.com. Thank you.